0: The first century church was persevering through a growing persecution in the Roman Empire. They were tired and rightly so. Through the writer of this text, God encouraged this church to stand strong and to be revived to their first love, to change their course of action and do what they had done at first. Last Sunday was Pentecost Sunday, and we celebrated the birth of the church. We were reminded how the Holy Spirit drew people together from every nation and empowered Jesus' followers to proclaim the good news in ways that could be understood by all people. On the day of Pentecost, the church was set ablaze with the spirit of unity, radical hospitality, and a compassion which cared for the poor and marginalized. Our church is part of a global denomination called the United Methodist Church. Its founder, John Wesley, was an 18th century Anglican priest and professor who left the halls of academia at Oxford to help revive the Church of England. And in so doing, he unintentionally launched a new movement. In continental Europe, the Protestant Reformation of the 16th century birthed new churches and movements in response to abuses of power, among other things, within the Roman Catholic Church. Reform was necessary. However, factions arose amongst these reforming groups, and violence and sectarianism erupted. Many new types of churches were formed. England had its own reformation, and a new church was born, the Church of England, which looked much more like a middle way between the Reformation movement of Continental Europe and the Roman Catholic Church. England oscillated between a national affiliation between the Church of England and the Roman Catholic Church, based on the preferences of its queens and kings. Blood was spilled and the stain of violence and Christian infighting left an indelible mark on society. As the intellectual movement became enthralled with the Age of Enlightenment, the the institutional impact of the church in all of its forms lost influence. Though this is extremely simplified, this is the historical backdrop in which John Wesley became the father of a revival movement. He was passionate about the church being revived with the same vigor that fueled and empowered the early church on the day of Pentecost. A church that was set ablaze with the spirit of unity, radical hospitality, and a compassion which cared for the poor and the marginalized. Wesley developed a set of methods for people to grow in their faith in smaller groups so that they might practice loving their neighbor and be held accountable for that practice. Because of that, outsiders called these folks Methodists for their detailed and particular methods of living out their faith. It makes sense, doesn't it? For Wesley, faith without works or faith without a tangible expression of love for one's neighbor was a dead faith. Wesley's faith was a faith of action. So you get a sense of the scope of this early Methodist revival. Hundreds of thousands of people had their faith revived and renewed in England under Wesley's leadership as a faith of action. Schools Hospitals, relief agencies for the poor, prison reform groups, and anti-slavery societies were formed. Wesley himself vocally encouraged and supported the English politician William Wilberforce in his crusade to end the slave trade in England. In what would become the United States, the Methodist movement grew from 2.5% of religious adherents in the country to 34.2% between the years of 1776 and 1850. The spiritual fervor, the organization, and the small group accountability of the early American Methodist revival movement was incredibly effective. Well, we're kicking off this new series today called Revival, faith as John Wesley lived it. And we'll explore some key historical factors throughout this series. But we will primarily look at the practices and methods that launched and sustained this revival movement so that we might find our own faith invigorated or revived in new ways. The big question is, what are we trying to revive? What are we trying to revive? This is a question for us as individuals, as a local church, as the United Methodist Church, and as members of the global church, the body of Christ around the world. What lies dormant beneath the surface that needs to be reawakened? What might God revive in you? This is a question that we'll come back to this morning. Now because John Wesley was the father of a revival movement, it's important to look at the different factors that may have contributed to the making of the person and the movement. And this morning we'll look at three precursors to this revival. The first precursor of the Methodist revival movement was the spiritual mentorship of Wesley's praying parents. Of course, no family is perfect. This family was not perfect, but it is hard to deny that the influence of Wesley's parents helped shape him into a leader of a movement. His mother, Susanna, she was a powerhouse. As a child, her father insisted that she receive a classical education, which was not common in 17th century England. She taught her own children six hours a day and insisted that her daughters as well as her sons receive the same education. She also developed a religious curriculum and taught it to her children. Each week she did a one-hour, one-on-one spiritual mentorship session with each of her children. On Sunday evening, she led the family in prayer and the study of Scripture. She prayed for her children constantly. She continued to be an influential spiritual presence in the lives of her kids, even after they became adults. Now, John's brother Charles was side by side with him, and he was a prolific hymn writer who shaped the music and the sounds of the revival movement. And there's no doubt, no doubt that he was an equally essential part of this movement. Well, prior to the revival as a young man, Charles' own faith had grown cold and it wasn't until college that his faith was revived and renewed when charles was asked about the cause for his own spiritual reawakening he attributed it to his mother's fervent prayers john sought out his mother's wisdom and guidance when he was a minister at one point john didn't want to allow a layperson to preach because he thought that role belonged solely to ordained clergy but Susanna, his mother, encouraged him to judge the situation based not on the power of the title that one bears, but on the fruit and impact of one's ministry. There is no doubt that Susanna Wesley's beliefs about equity among women and men and laypeople and clergy influenced John and the Methodist movement. This This is clear by the way her children write about her impact. Because of her profound influence, Susanna Wesley has affectionately been called the mother of the Methodist movement. We'll talk about uh, John's dad, Samuel, in just a bit. Now, are you challenged by this account of Susanna Wesley? I know I am. I'm feeling a little bit insecure about my own deficiency uh, as a parent. She's incredible. Well, as parents, we are the greatest spiritual influencers in our kids' lives. Of course, we can't control the outcome of their lives, but we can invest with love, sharing what is most important to us with our kids or or with our grandkids, our nieces, our nephews, our Sunday school students, or our mentees. What needs to be revived in you as a parent? What needs to be revived in you as a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle or a teacher or as a mentor? How can you share your first love? Think about those who've had an impact on you. How could you share some of that? And let's remember something important. In the Apostle Paul's letter to the Corinthian church, he noted that some plant, some water, but God gives the growth. What might God revive in you as a spiritual mentor, as a praying parent? The second precursor of the Methodist revival movement was a teachable spirit. This is what John Wesley called a Catholic spirit. This word Catholic simply means universal. And Wesley was humble and willing to see important universal truths on different sides of the theological divide. As I mentioned earlier, Wesley's own historical and social context was filled with religious division, which caused many to to wonder if religious faith had any relevance in forming a more loving and just society or a flourishing life. He worked to create a different form, uh, an expression of faith that recognized the value in the established Anglican church with its high liturgy and its traditions, as well as the more personally devoted or pietistic form of faith in the Puritans. Listen to these words that Wesley wrote. Would to God that all the party names and unscriptural phrases and forms which have divided the Christian world were forgot." And that we might all agree to sit down together as humble, loving disciples at the feet of our common master, to hear his word, to imbibe his spirit, and to transcribe his life in our own. Wesley was far more concerned with right action than right belief. In one of his most famous sermons entitled, Catholic Spirit, he wrote this, Though we can't think alike, may we not love alike? May we not be of one heart, though we are not of one opinion? Without all doubt, we may. Wesley taught that those in his movement to to build bridges rather than walls. By the way, this is the biggest reason why I officially became a Methodist just under two years ago. It's clear to see how relevant John Wesley's words are for us here and now. There are significant religious and political divisions in our country. In religion, it's fundamentalists versus progressives. In politics, it's conservatives versus liberals. How might we have a humble heart to listen to those with whom we disagree, to see the best in one another, to learn from each other, and treat one another with respect? Now let's be clear, where religion and politics demean the dignity, value, or worth of any person or group of people, there is no common ground or equivalency in these types of issues. We love everyone, and because of this, we call out injustice, and we work for equity because of God's radical love for each and every one of us. And that is exactly what Wesley did. Jesus' two greatest commandments are to love God completely and to love your neighbor as yourself. And we demonstrate our love for God and make it concrete by loving our neighbors. In the New Testament, in 1 John 4, uh, 20 and 21, it says this, those who say, I love God and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this, those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. How might God revive a humble and listening heart in us, in you, in me? How might God revive a faith in us that continually asks the question, how does this help me love my neighbor? How does this help me love my neighbor? Anything other than this is of secondary concern. The third precursor of the Methodist revival movement is perseverance. The Wesley family endured so much heartache, and John saw his mother and father continually turn to God in the midst of their suffering. This left a mark on John that impacted the revival movement of Methodism. Susanna and Samuel Wesley lost nine of their children at birth or in early childhood. Samuel was paid very little as the rector at the parish in Epworth, England, which was 150 miles north of London, that wasn't that supportive of the King of England. Well, the Wesley family was often in debt and a parishioner became so angry with Samuel and for his support for the King that he demanded full payment on a debt that Samuel owed. When Samuel couldn't pay this debt, he was thrown into debtor's prison. And he was in prison for three months until his bishop bailed him out. In Samuel's letters to his family, he told them about the opportunities he had to minister to his fellow prisoners, and he was lighthearted about it. Most strikingly, though, while John was only five and a half, someone set their thatched roof on fire, and they barely escaped. When the family was out of the burning house, they realized that John wasn't there with them. The fire grew so violently and it raged that it seemed hopeless to this family. A person from the town saw John in an upstairs window and one person stood on another's shoulders and they pulled John out of the house before it collapsed. John's mother Susanna believed that God had saved him for some special purpose. She called him a brand plucked from the fire, which was a quotation of scripture from the prophet Zechariah chapter 3 verse 2. Did Samuel and Susanna Wesley quit after that harrowing moment? No. They kept going. Their parsonage was rebuilt, and Samuel served the church as its rector until he died. Theirs was a remarkable faith. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. There will be trials, burdens, and difficulties in every life. It's not a matter of if, but when. How might God revive that sense of perseverance in us, in you, in me? Is there something in which you've lost hope? Maybe an institution or a person. It might even be yourself. Have you lost hope in a dream? We pray the Lord's prayer each week and we invite God's kingdom to to come here on earth as it is in heaven. And in so doing, we invite God's justice, restoration, renewing, wholeness, and peace. As Christians, our ultimate hope is that God will right all wrongs and make all things new. Have we lost faith in this vision? how might God renew and revive our hearts so that we can stay the course? How might each of us realize that we have something beautiful and unique to contribute to this vision? And we are not alone in this. We are a part of the body of Christ in this world. When we add our gifts, our passions, our hopes, our prayers, our humility, and our perseverance together, we can partner with God in this vision to make all things new. May we allow God to revive and renew us again today. Amen.